I'm very happy and delighted to hand the microphone over to John Shu in a moment. For those of you who don't know him yet, we do have some new people here. Um, I thought of something while I was worshiping there a minute ago. I met John Shuey 23 and a half years ago before I was on staff at Christ Community Church because he was part of the group of elders that interviewed me for the position. And I remember his one question for me, he probably asked more questions for me, but he asked me about what was my daily devotional life like? Like, you know, what did I do for reading the word or reading for prayer? And my answer to that question, I happened to be in a season at that time where it wasn't at 100%, it was maybe at 50%. And uh, he challenged me on that. And I've often wondered if that's the reason why I didn't get the position in the first place. <laughs> it was six months later until they, they, they said, no, we didn't feel like you're the guy. I don't think that was the reason why. But John and Carrie are what, what we would call the real deal. Their life is the same behind the scenes as it is behind the pulpit, as it is on foreign soil, as it is over here. They're a genuine father and mother in the body of Christ. The teaching's rich. Man knows the word like no one else I know. And um, he always brings a rich word out of the word of God. He's a teacher among teachers. But they're also a father and mother. They just have this way about them that makes you feel like you're being hugged, even if they're not hugging you. And even when delivering a strong word of correction or a word of challenge, it still feels like you're being wrapped up in the arms of Jesus. You guys have experienced that with me the times I've been here before. Um, they're just, uh, their ministry is called Kingdom Quest. I think we always give you updates on what they're doing around the world by email. I'm not sure if John's going to share anything like that, but I do know that whatever word he's got to share today is going to be rich. It's going to be powerful. So can we give a big hillside welcome to John Shuey. You too. Bless you. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. And uh, always good to be at Hillside. Good to be at Hillside. And uh, when a pastor turns his pulpit over to you, we don't take that lightly. That is a privilege and an honor. And uh, we are grateful for uh, uh, everything that you do for us uh, as a ministry. You maybe don't know this. You support us as monthly missionaries. And uh, we, have, uh, we have gone to about 20 countries on, on approximately 40 short-term mission trips. Uh, 17 of those have been to India. And uh, lately, uh, since the pandemic, uh, our traveling to India has been on our computer screen. And uh, we do teaching three or four times a month into two different churches in India. And uh, one of those pastors has a real heart for pastors who are in village areas that really can't afford to get an education. And he and I may be working on a Bible school for them. He wants to teach them English and we'll be able to do it uh, in English. Uh, we, uh, as you can tell by my head of hair, we're uh, advancing in age. We've gone past that 39 number a few times now. And so, We've seen the Lord work. And so one of the things that's been happening, especially with Carrie, is mentoring young leaders. And uh, we actually are mentoring four leaders on three continents, plus some leaders here in the States and uh, really enjoying that. And if nothing else, we can pass on to them our mistakes so they don't make those mistakes. And so uh, we're really enjoying ministry. It's, uh, we go. Th 
our ministry ebbs and flows, and sometimes it feels like we don't have so much to do, and then sometimes it's like, how do we get it all done? And it always happens. The Lord has also been speaking to us more about intercessory prayer, and uh, I'll be talking a little bit about some special aspects of prayer today. And this first slide on here is just basically, there's our website. If you'd like to get our uh, monthly email newsletter, you can do that. And uh, when Todd gets back from vacation, I'm going to need his help. We send it out by MailChimp, and every month MailChimp changes something, and it doesn't look like the notes that Todd gave me. And last night I got everything all ready to go, and I hit send, and nothing happened. So it's all ready to go, and, uh, but, but, uh, but Todd will get me straightened out. If Todd doesn't get me straightened out, Brian will. I, I, I need computer guys. So that's the only reason I put that slide up there. And uh, where do I point this thing? Oh, it really helps to turn it on, doesn't it? There it is. Uh, I know you all love Pastor Steve and Audre and their family. Uh, and uh, love is an action word. When you really love somebody, you want to do stuff for them. And so today I want to talk about the best gift that you can give your pastor. And actually, it's the best gift you can give to anybody and your leaders, but I want to talk about that. And there's a lot of things that come to our mind when we think about the best gifts we can give our pastor. Well, we can love him. And that's a really important one because in every church around America today, they don't all love their pastor. Uh, in most cases, they should uh, give them sufficient time to be with their family, uh, respect them. Give them a good salary. Or some of you may say, I want to discover what my spiritual gifts are, and I want to play my part in helping to fulfill the vision that God's given to the pastor. And you know what I say to all those things? Yes, yes, and yes. Do all of them. But that is still not the best gift that you can give to your pastor. Now, I know all of you are really, really smart, and when I said that, you already knew what I was going to talk about and that is to pray. We need to pray for our pastor, and we need to pray for each other. And we may ask, well, why? Well, first of all, I need prayer, you need prayer, your pastor needs prayer. We're all in need of prayer. Uh, and I'll be telling the story at the end about uh, how God showed me some things in prayer and another pastor friend of mine, but we all need prayer. There are those times when we're in a situation where we just plain don't know what to do. But God does. There, we are in situations at times where we know what needs to be done, but there's no way it's ever going to get done unless God does it. We're all in those situations. Well, guess what? So is your pastor. And then, of course, I think we understand that we all need prayer all the time. We can't overcome temptation or walk in holiness or fulfill God's purpose for our life without the power of God. We're not going to see revival come or people saved in Millersburg, or we're not going to have an impact on unreached people groups around the world unless we have the power of God. And we will not access the power of God to the extent that he wants us to unless we pray. Pray for your pastor. 
Another reason that we need to pray for the pastor is they have a strategic role in the leadership of a congregation. The pastor at least helps to and often sets the agenda for the church. The pastor is a holy Gordon Ramsay deciding what kind of spiritual food you're going to get on a regular basis. I, I say holy Gordon Ramsay because Pastor Steve would never act like Gordon Ramsay. And, but you know what I'm saying? He, the, the, he decides what is it that we're going to preach. And we look to our pastor as an example. That's a scary thought, the pastors, that we would do that, but we just, we do that. Uh, I remember a few years ago, we were invited to a conference in uh, a ski area in Virginia with Advancing Native Missions. And where else would a ski area be but in the middle of nowhere? And our GPS took us on dirt roads two times. Our GPS didn't know how to get to where we were going. And thank God we found out where we were going we are living in a day when entire congregations are being led astray because their pastor doesn't really know where things are going in terms of beliefs, in terms of what should be done. And congregations, because they follow their pastor, they believe him because he's the theologian in chief in their congregation. It's important that we do that. Now, I'm not at all suggesting to you that Pastor Steve is going to lead you astray. But I am suggesting that you want to be praying for him and the leaders of your church so that they will clearly see the direction that God wants them to go so that you don't wind up on any dirt roads and do that kind of thing. And then thirdly, because of the fact that they play a strategic role in who we do, they have a bullseye on their back. They have a bullseye on their back. Zechariah said, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And at Easter time, we hear that verse all the time because when Jesus was taken by the authorities, his people scattered, except for Peter who got so far. And then of course, Peter kind of messed up on his way there. And that, but the principle applies to all leaders. If the enemy is able to strike the shepherd. It has an impact on people around. I remember uh, in the first church that I pastored, I had two buddies that were my closest friends in ministry. And uh, one of them, when he was in between churches, took a job and he found himself another woman. And um, I remember being at our church camp and I was talking to one of the elders from the church and I said, how are you all doing? And he looked at me with tears in his eyes and he said, John, if the pastor can't make it, how are our young people ever going to make it? And not long after that, this pastor's unwed daughter became pregnant. And thankfully, I think she and her husband are doing okay spiritually. When I was on staff at Christ Community, there was a pastor on staff for a little while that had just come from the state of Washington, and he succeeded a pastor who fell morally. And because he, that happened, he did a lot of reading on the subject, and they discovered statistically that it takes a church about five years to get back to where they were when they discovered the improprieties of the pastor. It has an impact on everyone. And of course, moral issues are not the only ways in which pastors can get on track. Uh, there can be demands coming from all over the place. I'll be talking about that a little bit later. 
but it's important not only for your pastor and his family, but it's important for you that your pastor is protected from the evil one. And I'm going to be talking about the impact of prayer on situations. So for those three reasons, it's important we pray for the pastor. Now, you might ask the question, so what can we pray for? And I just want to start, I want to get to that in a minute, but I want to start by saying that we desperately need to pray in our day. Last night as I was praying about the message today, I felt like the Lord told me that uh, we, we pray for revival. We want to see God do a great thing. We want to see him sweep through our cities where we live and do a work. And, and I felt like the Lord said, just like a rocket ship needs an incredible amount of thrust to get off the ground, and then it changes when they get into orbit, we need a lot of thrust to get that happen, and our thrust happens in the area of prayer. But I, I can't communicate with words, and so I trust in the Spirit is going to communicate. We are in desperate need in our nation today for prayer. We see all this stuff going on around us, and we think, could it get any worse? And then next week it gets worse. But you know what? God's not limited by that stuff, and so we want to pray. We also want to pray in the Spirit. Paul says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And often when we see a verse like that, we think, well, that's talking about when we're praying in tongues. Well, yes, we are praying in the Spirit when we pray in tongues. But whatever language it is that you speak, and whatever language you verbally speak to God with, most of us it would be English, don't we want that to be led of the Spirit as well? I mean, we don't want to pray what we want, we want to pray what He wants. It's going to be Spirit-led, faith-filled prayers that make a difference. And even if we're praying through a list, we want to be led of the Spirit. And when we are, it's interesting the kind of things that uh, God does. He may speak to us about something that we weren't thinking about that. We heard a story on a podcast the other week, and this missionary was speaking, lady missionary, and she said, I, went, I was going from one place to the other, and I was gone through the jungle, and uh, some guys wanted to come and do me harm. And they said they left me alone because there were 26 big men standing around me, protecting me. And uncharacteristically, one of the men in the back of the church stood up and said, ma'am, what was the date on that? And so she told him, and he said, I was on the golf course that morning, and I had an incredible burden to pray for you. In fact, the burden was so large that I began to call some men to meet me at the church, and we gathered to pray. And he said, would all the men who prayed for you that day in that church stand up? How many men do you think there were? 26. I, uh, I pray for Central Asia. That may sound weird, but I got a hold of Mansing Native Missions about a year ago and said, I want to pray for some unreached people groups. And only one person got back to me, and, uh, and he oversees their ministry in Central Asia. So one day I was praying, and for about a week I had a burden to pray for two people in Uzbekistan. I have no idea what that's all about. I don't know if they were seekers. I don't know if they were Christians that were in some kind of danger. Most of the unreached people groups in that area, uh, in fact, the, the unreached people groups that he's seeking to reach, 
the largest contingency of evangelicals within them is four-tenths of one percent. That means one out of 250 people. And we don't know what that's all about, but we follow it. Uh, I dream at night. I don't get these spiritual dreams, and I usually don't remember what they are. When I wake up and I remember who was in the dream, that's a tip-off to me. I'm supposed to pray for them. I don't know if that worked for you, but that's just for me because I almost never remember. So when we're praying by the Spirit, he will begin to show us things. Now, don't automatically think, you know, if you're praying for the pastor and he's showing you all these horrible things. First of all, they wouldn't be true of Pastor Steve. We might need to check some things out. But with the things I just talked about, you know, just taking up some time. Maybe a little bit of time to pray for these two people in Uzbekistan. Maybe nobody else in the world is praying for them, and maybe there's a bunch. I don't know. I'd like to talk a little bit more about that, but that's, that's a sermon probably already been preached by Pastor Steve. But I do want to talk about six areas this morning where you can be praying for your pastor and other leaders. First of all, you want to pray for their walk with God. By the way, I don't at all remember that interview and asking you that question, so. <laughs> but well, that's the kind of question I would ask in any kind of an interview for something like that because it's extremely important. We all need a close walk with God, don't we? What does, uh, we're familiar with this passage in uh, John 15. Jesus says, remain in me or live in me or abide in me, depending on what translation you have, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. For all of us, if we don't have a close walk with the Lord, we're not going to bear the kind of fruit that remains, which is the kind that Jesus wants us to have. Well, with the importance of the role of the pastors and our leaders in the church, don't we want them to bear fruit? We want to... Uh, we want to make sure that they have a close walk with God. In fact, elders or wherever are here, make sure that Pastor Steve and his family have time for each other. I'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, to be with the Lord. Don't you want the direction that he gets to be from the Lord? Don't you want him to preach on what God wants him to preach on? Don't you want him to walk in the power of God? He needs to pray for himself, and it's contingent like all of us, but leaders, pastors need our prayers. On top of that, ministry can be exhausting. I know all the jobs you all do probably can be exhausting. They counsel, they disciple, they do administrative details, uh, and you know other jobs, you know, usually the staff people have other jobs given by the leadership, the pastor has other jobs designed by God, and they can be interesting, they can be at weird times and all that kind of thing, and it can be exhausting. Isaiah said this, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will remain, renew their strength. They'll soar in wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. It is important for our leaders to have sufficient time to be alone with God that would be described in this scripture as waiting upon the Lord, getting a download of his life, getting a download of his strength, especially to move through some of those times that are really difficult. 
Jesus at one point was mourning the death of his cousin, John the Baptist. And of course, wherever Jesus went, there was a crowd. So he feeds thousands of them in the middle of his grief. And then he sends his disciples off and he goes up into a mountain to be with his father. He needed a download from the father. He was running on empty from his own grief and from ministering to four or 5,000 people. I can't remember if that was a feeding of the 4,000 or 5,000, but it was a lot. And spiritual power would have left. And so we need to be praying for the pastor. And especially if you know that there are times when there's things going on in the church where, where they've just been, had to expend lots of energy caring for people who are going through various kinds of trauma and churches ebb and flow with that kind of thing, and, and, and uh, things happen. Second of all, pray for their family. When it gets to be about 95 degrees out, go to your webpage and look at this picture. I mean, number one. Number two, that is the greatest picture. Just an excellent picture that's there. Pray for your pastor and his family. Pray, uh, you know, pastors get called upon to do things at weird times, two o'clock in the morning. And then on top of that, Pastor Steve has a wife that gets called out at weird times of the morning to uh, care for her passion. And, and, but, but things are going on and they need time with their family. Their family needs time with them. It's all part of the rejuvenating process. And it gives the enemy also a strike point. If there's something going on with a family member, it has an impact. It, it can't help. You all know that. There's something going on with somebody in your family. You know that that has an impact on you emotionally, strength-wise, and that. And, and I believe as there always has, but there's an incredible attack on the families of pastors in this particular day and, and, and Christians in general. And so we want to be praying for family. Pray for their protection. Pray that God would, would raise them up to be part of the lineage of the ministry when they're gone. So number two, pray for the family. Oops, not patient enough. Pray for vision. All leaders have vision. There's John Maxwell who sees things five to 10 years down the road and plots a course and puts it in his notebook and he knows where he's going. And then there's other kind of leaders. Some leaders, God shows them the next step. Well, you don't need to know more than the next step, do you? And then the next step or the next step. Or in some cases, there's just this thing that's in their spirit and they know what they want things to look like, and that's their vision, that's what they're praying toward. And we wanna pray that, that God would give the leadership the vision for he wants us to go, because our mission in the church is all the same. Make disciples of the nations, reach the unreached people groups, but the vision is, how do you want our congregation to participate in that mission here locally and around the world? And so we want to pray that God would download 
the vision for the church in whatever way he happens to do that, whether it's long-term or whether it's short-term and, and go the next. We want to pray that the word that our pastor delivers is the word we need at this time to take the next step. And you might think, well, I mean, pastors study. They could just come and do a message. Most of the pastors I know don't want a message they want the message. They want to know what is it that God wants to feed this people at this time in history where they want to go. And uh, I struggle with that now. I could pull stuff out. In fact, I'm preaching at a church two times on Wednesday, and I thought, this is going to be a piece of cake. I know what I'm going to pull out and do it. And the Lord said, no, I want you to write two new messages. So I was scrambling this week. But the reason for it is, is one a little different when we come into a church. It's how can we serve the pastor? How can we serve the congregation? What do they need right now? And we're not here all the time. We don't know. But we want to do that. When I was pastoring, the hardest part of preaching was deciding what to do next. When the Lord showed me a particular series he wanted me to do, it became much easier to lay out four or five sermons and begin to outline them. Because, Lord, I want to hear from you. What is it that you want to do next? And so it's important that we pray that they would get a clear vision of that. The pastor is also the one who often is, says, we want to do these ministries and this ministry, or we might want to use the word program. And part of that may be that some programs need to be discontinued. And it gets muddy when that happens, doesn't it? Or it can get muddy. It may be that that's a program that was very effective and isn't anymore, or it just doesn't fit with the vision right now. But we can get all muddied up because that was our pet program, or we helped to start that program, or whatever it may be. And uh, a verse here from Hebrews 13, 17. It says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. I'm not suggesting by that that you can never come and talk to your leadership, but there's an appropriate way to do it in submission. Pastor, have you thought about this or have you considered this? And then leave it there. So I'm not suggesting that they're supposed to be, this is the law and we're going to do it. And I know Steve is not like that at all. They keep watch over you as men who give an account. Obey them so that their work may be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. And, and when it says not a burden, the Greek literally means sighing and groaning. I know exactly what that means. You are at the forefront seeking to follow the Lord and take the church where you want to go, and you get resistance, and you go, that's what that verse says. And so we need to leave those things with the Lord if we don't agree. I remember when we, I was pastoring in Somerdale, we were going through a really ugly situation where we had to bring church discipline. Yeah. And uh, one of the guys that was assisting us with that process happened to be listening to James Dobson that night. That was way back when James was still on the show. And the person said to this Philippine guy, he said, well, what do you do? You pray for your pastor. What do you do when your pastor makes a dumb decision? 
I mean, I know pastors never make those, but what do you do when your pastor makes a dumb decision? And he said, we pray for him more. Wow. Wow. So we need to go with that. And, uh, okay, that's, that's, that's the hard part of the word. The rest gets better from there on, but that may be the important one. Wisdom, and you might think, well, that's pretty much what you just said. Pastors are called upon to exercise wisdom at the drop of the hat sometimes. When I was in my first church, there was a, a family that had six daughters, and it was, it was just a horrible family situation. And I got contacted either by this one daughter or the hospital one day. I don't remember. It's been a long time ago. And uh, this gal had gone to the hospital, and a young adult, and uh, they had determined that she'd been physically hit. And, of course, they've got to report that. And so they needed someone to take her to the next town over to the sheriff's office to report on this. And so I thought, okay, I can do that, but I ain't doing this unless my wife is along with me. We took her. She hadn't eaten. We bought her something to eat, went to the sheriff's office and came home. And not long after that, we heard back that this girl was reporting that I had taken her to buy her a meal and take her out of town, which is exactly what I did. But the implications of why I did that were just kind of left for people. And we had one of, one of our senior saints in the congregation, someone told them to, and she looked at him and she says, my pastor doesn't do that. Thankfully, and as far as I know, it got dropped. But it could have been a he said, she said, but it would have been a she said, he and she said, uh, because my wife was along with us. And we're called upon to make decisions like that. Pastors are called upon to answer theological questions that have not been solved in the last 2,000 years. But you're the pastor. Pastors are called upon to solve quest, answer questions like, why didn't God heal? Why didn't I get that job? Why, was my, why did my loved one die? You know, all those kind of questions we all have. And they're called upon to uh, answer those questions. We need to pray. In fact, the matter is, if you're in the middle of something and, and you hear a voice say, pray for Pastor Steve, you may not know what it's like, but he may be in one of those situations. And if he isn't, he just got some extra prayer. And we may never know. It's not one of those things you can like ask because it may be some private thing that he's counseling someone with, but it's important that we do that. I have a number of pastors that I, that I pray for. And one day I was walking in the sanctuary at Christ Community where my office is, and I was praying for one of these guys. And I saw this, I don't, this doesn't happen to me very often, but I saw this picture in my mind and I saw this pastor standing there and there were Frisbees coming from there and there and way back there and up front. And it's like these Frisbees are all coming at one time. And the question is, which one do I grab? What order do I grab them in? And I began to pray for him. I said, Lord, would you slow things down in the spirit so that he would know? And a little bit later, as I was thinking about that, I thought, I don't know any pastors who I picture couldn't be in that vision. There's stuff coming all the time, counseling situations that are coming. What do we do next? What do I preach next? Here's a person that needs counseling. Here's a crisis that just happens. 
and they're all coming all the time. And on top of that, I know for Pastor Steve, he's thinking about how can I get back over to Africa again and minister to the people over there and help the ones that are there? How can we, how can we be sending people different places? And these Frisbees are flying all over the place. And pastors need to have wisdom as to which Frisbee to catch when, which Frisbee can be caught by other people, and which Frisbees, frankly, to let fall to the ground. And that takes the wisdom of God. That's the way it's going to happen. So pray for your pastor to have wisdom for the burdens they carry. We are observing more and more that all God's people got stuck. Are you observing that? There are more and more people that have family issues, health issues, work issues, financial issues, spiritual issues. I was talking to uh, our ministry's accountant the other day, and I said, I don't know anybody that doesn't have stuff. And she said, I don't know anybody that doesn't have stuff either. Well, we're all going through things. Jesus said in this world you have tribulation, so it shouldn't be a surprise to us. Well, guess what? As much as you may look to them for leadership, your pastor and wife are human beings, and they have stuff. And they need to be prayed for because of that. I remember when I was in seminary, uh, we had a pastor nearby and uh, their daughter was getting ready for her first day at middle school. And the brother was outside the bathroom yelling and ticked off because he had to get in the shower too and she'd been in there forever as girls are wont to do. And although someone told me one time the teenage boys are actually worse than girls are with that. Well, finally, it got so bad that the father popped the door off and went in, and somehow or other, the water was too hot or something, but she passed out face down into the tub, into the water. And uh, probably within three weeks or a month, she died. She was in a coma and she died. And there they were pastoring, and people were calling with the kind of stuff that people call pastors with that compared to losing a daughter were not very important and they really had to leave the ministry for a while until they healed up and then got back into the ministry. They have stuff. But there's something that you may not know. And I don't know that anybody but a pastor can know this or maybe somebody in a caring, a caring um, type position. But not only do they carry their stuff, they carry yours. It's part of their job. It's part of what God's given them to do. But when you're hurting, they're hurting. And when they're hurting and you're hurting, they're hurting for themselves and they're hurting for you. But they carry that because they're your shepherd. And so we really need to be praying for them because they're carrying burdens for you because they love you, because they've been called to care for you. And it gets overwhelming at times. I pastored a church in Somerdale that that was small. I mean, it wasn't super small at the beginning, but the longer I pastored there, the smaller it got. <laughs> we were heading one direction and probably wasn't a good mix. But um, at any rate, I went from there to staff at Christ Community. And when, at that particular time, during the times I got to preach, I would preach to between 1,300 and 2,000 people on a Sunday morning in the two services. And I can tell you that the weight on my shoulders in the small church was a lot greater than the weight was at Christ's community because I was the pastor carrying the weight. 
And although I was helping to carry the weight, when I went to Christ's community, that was on Pastor Dave. There is something about that that you can't understand, and it's part of the call of God. There's an interesting story in Exodus chapter 17. The Amalekites, Israel's heading toward the promised land. The Amalekites came out to go against them in battle. And Moses sends Joshua and some soldiers down to confront them. And Moses goes up on the mountain, lifts up the, the staff, symbol of the authority of God. And as long as Moses held that thing up, Israel won. And when his arms would get tired and it would come down, they'd lose. So Aaron and her went up and got underneath him and held up his arm so that the staff of God would stay up. Moses couldn't do it alone. He needed people to come alongside of and hold up the arms. Pastor Steve and Andre, leadership in your church, need Aaron's and hers and Miriam's and whoever else it may be to hold up their arms as they're carrying through with these variety of things that are going on. And then the last thing is provision. And we've already talked about salary and all that, and that's part of provision. You want to do the best you possibly can. But there's other things that pastors are in need of. Prayer, we're talking about it today. They need people to come alongside of and pick up and do certain things that uh, maybe they can't do or they just don't have time to do. Uh, Brian's sitting back there. Brian gets an email from me probably, what, every two or three months. Brian, what do I do about this computer thing? And in between when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to Todd. And I just mentioned to you that I, this newsletter wouldn't go out. So Todd's going to get a phone call from me when he gets back from vacation and help. Uh, I just had a guy from my board come and install a new printer for my computer because as simple as putting a printer in, at least it looks simple when he did it, I can't do it. But you may have gifts to do certain things, or there may be things even where Pastor Steve is gifted, but you can pick up the load because there's a lot of it going on. All of us need to do our part. I want to end by telling you a story. When I was pastoring in Somerdale, one night I got a call from family member from a dear Methodist pastor friend of mine, and they said, can you come over? And I mean, he was just an emotional wreck. It was not making any sense. And then I was there for a little while, and the next day, Carrie and I happened to be out, went to the bank, and he and his wife came to the bank, and she said, he seems to be doing better. And that night I got a call, I think it was from the daughter, and said, Pastor, can you come over? It's really bad. And uh, I wound up, well, we wound up going to Hershey Med Center and a Christian doctor there said, you want to take him to Philhaven? And he got him into Philhaven to get some help. But let me tell you about that week. I, I was actually on a two-week sabbatical to do some studies, so I was visiting churches and this was on Tuesday and Wednesday, but Sunday morning I went to their uh, early service, which was a more contemporary worship service than their other one. And they just told us that he wasn't there because he was sick. That's all I knew. That night I went to another friend's church, and uh, at the end of the service, the pastor had Carrie and I kneel in the aisle, and this young woman came and prayed over us. Well, now on Friday, after all this happened with my friend on Tuesday and Wednesday, 
I had a meeting with this pastor because part of what I was doing was talking to pastors about particular ministries and getting some ideas. And when we were done, he said, I'm just passing this on to you. He said, the woman that prayed for you was awakened at 3 o'clock, 3 a.m. on Monday morning, and the Lord told her that some of the pastors on the West Shore do not have sufficient prayer. And John is one of them, and that man who's sick, that they knew nothing more than he was sick, is also one of them. I had one more week left in my sabbatical. I spent that week reading books on developing a prayer team as a pastor and who you should do that. And so we did, and now we're continually wanting to make sure, which when we get a newsletter out, we're hoping that we send newsletters out, at least some of the people pray. Other times we have people that we email and say, would you pray for this? Would you pray for this? Uh, we wouldn't want to go overseas if we didn't have people not just said, well, while you're gone, we'll pray for you, Pastor, but they, they want prayer requests. They want, you know, they want details. And so when my friend got back, I gave him the two books that I read. Uh, they're old books. They're probably not in print anymore. One of them was called Prayed On, P-R-E-Y-E-D, or Prayed For. And the other one was a book by Peter Wagner, which is a little bit more complex. Terry Teckle's book is a little bit more on. And um, I gave him those two books. He read the books and decided that he was going to get a prayer team. And so he asked these eight men if they would be his prayer shield for him. And so one Sunday morning, I know this would never happen at Hillside, but they were having a testimony time, and somebody decided this is the best time I could possibly stand up and give a grievance. Yeah. And so now the pastors, I mean, he had to deal with this thing anyhow, but now he's going to deal with it publicly. And as that was happening, eight men from the congregation stood up, stood behind their pastor to say, we got this man's back. I don't know whether they ever had to deal with the issue or not. Sometime later, this pastor came to me and he said, I'm bringing my bag lunch over. Take a bag lunch to your office. I want to talk to you. And he said to me, John, he told me later, he said, if I would have said it's not a good idea, he wouldn't have done it. He said to me, John, I'd been asked to go to Alaska and teach in a Bible school for Native Americans in that area. And I laughed in joy. He'd dressed like a professor, not with a jacket and a tie, but the sweater, whole thing, the stereotypical thing. I laughed. I said, I can't think of anything more suited to who you are than that. But let me ask you a question. Do you think that those eight men who had the back of their pastor, not only in the front of the church, but in prayer, had anything to do with the fact that a man who had a nervous breakdown, who needed psychiatric help, was willing to leave his environs and go someplace that was unlike anything that he ever did? Do you think that prayer had anything to do with that? Because I do. I do. I don't know of any other way that that possibly could have happened. The healing that took place, the ability to do that. And so I'm here today to say to you, are you willing to be Aaron and her for your pastor and his family? Are you willing to be Aaron and her for other leaders in your church? And you might say, well, that's really asking a lot. Well, I think God asks a lot of us, doesn't he? He 
We saw it symbolized today. He's asking us to die to who we used to be and come alive to who he is now. He's asking us to commit ourselves to be part of fulfilling the commission that God has for us. And because the leadership in the church and because the, our pastor involved in that, it's extremely important that we give sufficient prayer for, them, for that to happen. I'm going to do something really different today. I thought about having you all come up if you're committed to praying more for the pastor and be around Pastor Steve, but I know this congregation well enough to know that you'll, you'll just do that. You mean your family, like to be, you like to be close to each other. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to pray, and I want you to ask God, what did God say to you today? What does God want you to do today? And if he's really spoken, he will still be speaking to you tonight and tomorrow and the next day. And I want you to shoot off a text to Pastor Steve or to Audre or maybe some other leader in the church that you feel burdened to pray for and tell them one of two things. I believe that one of my key ministries is to pray for you. And if that's not, I mean, that's okay. You might be working with children, might be working with others. And the other thing is, is that God spoke to me that I really need to up the amount of time that I'm praying for you. I, I want you to do that. I want you to take the time to do that because if I do the other thing, you're all going to come up here. And, and please understand, I am not at all suggesting here today that you don't pray for your pastor. I know better. I know better than that. But I am saying in order for us to get over the hump, in order for us to become all that God wants us to be, and there's, there is incredible things happening here. I know that. Uh, in fact, the matter is, and it's been, wow, it's been 18 years since I did the interim here. And most of you, well, some of you are still hanging in there, and I'm glad of that. Some, some of you I know, but many of you, most of you, uh, Steve had to tell you who we were. And that's a good thing because new people are being added and God is working. But, uh, but to even get beyond that, to see more happen, this valley needs to experience a revival. Harrisburg needs to experience a revival. Our nation needs to experience a revival. And your pastors are going to lead you there. And they really need your prayer. So, you email and you text. How'd your live stream go, Brian? This is the third time I preached this message. The first two churches I preached this message in, the live stream shut down in the middle. And one of them didn't have a fix for a week. They didn't have Brian. That's probably why. But, uh, uh, but, but um, this is extremely important. And some of you may know your answer now, and so catch Pastor Steve on the way out but I want to pray for you. Father, I thank you that you sent Pastor Stephen Audrey to this church, and I thank you for the things that have happened. A blessing to see people baptized today and hear what you're doing in their lives, and to know that these three represent many others that have been baptized during the years that uh, they've been here. And they also represent what you're going to be doing in the future to be drawing other people to you. But Lord, we are asking for a move of God. 
We are asking, Lord, to get over whatever kind of hump that there might be there so that we might be catapulted into a, a place in ministry that maybe we never dreamed of, but you have. I pray that you would be calling people to pray for Pastor Steve and Audre and their family, to pray for other leaders in this church. Father, I pray that you would, and I, and I know I come, whenever we come here, there's always a group of people here praying for what's going to happen today and praying for the service. And so there's praying people here that you would even increase what it is that you're doing, Lord in the area of prayer, because that's how we connect with you. That's the, a power source. And so, Lord, you would be accomplishing that for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, John. I promise you I didn't pay him to share that. I do want to just close with one word of thanks. I have felt, we've been in 16 years now this month, and I have felt buoyed by the prayers of the saints more times than I can count. Every time we've been in a spot, and there have been some times I've been very tempted to quit and just say maybe our time there is finished, and I have felt the prayers. I don't know who it was. Some I do. I do have an Aaron and a herd that, do pray and shoot me texts of visions and things that they see. But um, I've got to thank you. I know that this is happening, and uh, we really appreciate it. We know we would not still be here if it weren't for the fact that you've taken this, this yoke upon yourselves. Um, anyway, so God bless you. Have an awesome week in Jesus, and I'll uh, see you around in the plant.